Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Resilient Leadership Podcast, where everything we talk about is aimed at helping you lead with a greater sense of calm, clarity, and conviction, even in anxious times. My name is Irvin Nugent, and as always, I am thrilled and delighted to be joined by my co-host and collaborator, Bridget Tyre. Bridget, how are you doing today? Thank you for asking, Irvin. I am doing well. It is a rainy day as we are recording this, so it's a little gray, but I'm, I'm doing well. And I just came back from Florida where I got a lot of sunshine, and mm. uh, that was good, good uh, dose of vitamin D. And I must say that I'm particularly excited about our topic today. Yes. And so, Irvin, tell listeners a little bit about what what are we going to be talking about? Yeah, it's a topic that we've both talked about recording, and it's all about courage, which we believe is the key to successful leadership. And it's certainly one of the keys. And so let's start by perhaps asking, what is courage? We use this word. And, you know, so I looked up the dictionary definition. It's always good to start with a dictionary, I think, and and see what the dictionary says. And it says it's a, a mental and moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. And I think right away, we have this mention of fear. And so whenever you talk about courage, there is a relationship that is going on there. And so often, I think they can be seen as polar opposites. That either, you know, you're fearful or, and what's required is totally the opposite, which is courage. And I think what is a better way of viewing this, and perhaps if you go through today, is that instead of being opposite, one actually needs the other. And so they're actually a pair that work in tandem. And fear is there to alert us. And courage is there to help us push through the fear when we need to. One final thought on courage itself, I think is very beautiful which is the etymology of courage itself begins with the word core, C-O-R, which is the Latin for heart. Mm. And I love that because courage really is about heart. It's about this movement of the heart, this energy of the heart into something that requires something that is important to us and something that we have decided to make a stand about as we'll talk about. So Bridget, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, Courage was something that was talked about for superheroes or something that was displayed in crazy movies. It really wasn't something that we talked about when we thought about leaders and organizations. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, really, if you ask somebody, are you courageous? Mm-hmm. The average person is going to say, who, me? No. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not something that we, I think, easily claim as an attribute, But I'm going to go back to that definition that you shared, which is so lovely. So what is courage? The mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, or withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. And what human being living hasn't had to do that on occasion? And in point of fact, that's exactly what we do need from leaders, right? We've talked about how we are living and leading in a VUCA world. And VUCA stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And it takes courage to face into uncharted territories, to lean into uncertainty, and to embrace the fear and danger that resides there, right? So it's part of the human experience. And I think the really good news is that courage is a muscle that can be strengthened. Mm. And I think that leads us nicely into understanding 
the neuroscience behind it, right? Irvin, share with listeners a little bit about courage and the brain. So it's interesting. There has been a lot of research, of course, on fear. In fact, fear is probably one of the most researched emotions that we have. So we, we've got a lot of understanding about fear now, but let me just get on my pulpit. To, yeah, my <laughs> and pulpit to, to preach a little bit because, you know, fear is one of those emotions that at times are demonized and we just got to get rid of fear. And yet I always, you know, begin with emotion is there to give us a message. And the message of fear is that something in our environment, evolution has, has taught us something in our environment is threatening to us. And so fear sets off this reaction to protect. And that is never something that should be demonized. That's something that should be appreciated. And so uh, fear is there for a reason. However, what's also really important is that we also then have courage. And courage is there to help us work through, at times, fear, which can help us be closed up. And so when it comes to fear, of course, we're very cognizant that it's it's part of the amygdala, which is this center in the brain, which actually processes threat. And what happens is that as we see threat or experience a threat to us, this amygdala regulates our response. And of course, that response is incredibly quick. And so that response sets off within us a lot of physiological responses to help us either prepare to move in to fight or to flee or just to freeze in that moment. Mm -hmm. So where does courage come in then? Well, there's been a lot of research, which has just come out lately about, so fear resides in the amygdala, or at least the response and the modulation systems amygdala, where is courage? And so there's some really interesting research from a neuroscientist from Stanford called Andrew Huberman. And he has found uh, circuits in the brain which uh, can be switched on or off, mm. which can control some of that fight or flee. And so it's, it's found you know, right in the middle of the brain in a place called the VMT. And it sends signals to the neurocortex. And that neurocortex, of course, is this executive functioning part of the brain that helps us to modulate our emotional responses in the face of threat. So here we have in our brain, we have this part that's there to protect us, that sets in motion all this reaction. And we also now have a part as well, which helps modulate that and helps us move in when we need to move in. And in fact, you know, part of that uh, research is really interesting because now they're thinking that they can help people with PTSD or people with phobias or anxiety disorders get over some of the feelings that they have whenever they feel under threat. So- Bridget, hmm. any insights on how this might be done? Because I think there, the, some of the research does point to some strategies that have been found very effective. You know, what you're reminding me of, Irvin, is, and I think this is one of the most optimistic findings of neuroscience, is that we actually have more influence over what part of our brain is being activated, right? What part of our brain is in the driver's seat than we yep. realize? And so there's the switch, you know, yep. so to speak. And, and so how do we turn on that courage switch? So one idea is to really strengthen our patterns of bravery. You know, I said earlier, we have all had moments of courage mm-hmm. in our life. So if we, you know, reconnect with those moments, if we recall them, 
if we look at them and realize that in that moment, we were able to call on some resources and act in a courageous way, that helps us to think of ourselves as brave. And if mm-hmm. you see yourself as brave, then you, you can become brave, right? I think another thing that can really help is focusing on the why of your bravery. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you're going to take a courageous action for the sake of what are yeah. you doing it? What's on the other side? Yeah. Because it's hard. And, mm-hmm. and yet, if you can say, well, what is really the purpose behind my courageous act here? What, what am I really trying to do? And then take it a step further and actually visualize the positive results on the other side, albeit very difficult, but something on the other side is truly meaningful for you. Mm-hmm. I think all of those things help us to embody bravery. And I'll say one other thing that, you know, from a neuroscience point of view, we know that neurons that fire together, wire together. So as we remember and recall those incidents of bravery in our own life, we're activating our neurons. We're strengthening that pattern of activity in our brain. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Love Love it. What do you think this means for leadership, Irvin? Yeah, so it's interesting. I think, you know, let's start this by saying we've already alluded to the fact that that their fear and courage are in a relationship here. So perhaps before we move on to what does courageous leadership look like, maybe we should kind of think a little bit about what are some of the greatest fears that leaders face that perhaps courage is needed for. And of course, we had a there's many fears we could have, but maybe if we kind of summarize, there's three that kind of come to mind that are really important. One is, I think, the fear of facing reality. You know, you mentioned at the beginning there, we're in a VUCA environment. We're in an environment where things are changing. It's complex, where things don't always go right. And at times, it can be really fearful just to face reality in the face. You know, we have gone through COVID now where the complications that that caused And, you know, it it was uh, creating headaches for many people. And the simplest thing was to kind of have this pretty rosy picture of what could happen without really accepting reality for what it is and just to really face reality. And, uh, And that's a fear that many people have. I think another fear is a fear of not knowing everything. I think we have an unrealistic expectations that our leaders are people that know the answers and they're expected, especially in moments of crisis, to know the answer. And leaders put this tremendous amount of pressure upon themselves. And there's this fear that like, if I say I don't know something, what something bad is going to happen. And so I just can't go down there. Mm-hmm. And then the third is, I think, a fear of acknowledging feedback. You know, there are times as a leader, we make decisions and we think we've got everything worked out and we know what the path is and we just got to listen to me and do this path. And the last thing we want to hear is, mm, there's something wrong with that path. There, You haven't thought about this. You haven't thought about that. And of course, so what we do is we just, we, we kind of fear someone mentioning that. We just want things to go ahead without anyone saying anything. So, you know, I think it takes courage in all these three examples mm. to really stand honestly before these three situations. So, Bridget, I'm curious, um, you've worked with so many leaders. Have you encountered leaders where really these fears got in the way and prevented them really from taking the action they needed to? Well, first of all, I think the fears that you mentioned, I'm sure as people are listening, they're nodding their heads because these are 
I mean, just such common struggles for all of us. Yeah. I'm thinking of a leader that I worked with recently and, you know, she had some fear around receiving feedback initially. Mm. I think that can be a courageous act to ask for feedback. Some leaders do it and some don't. Yeah. And we were having a conversation about this and she was expressing some of her reticence, some of her fear around it. But, you know, I have to say she moved through it quite beautifully. And what she ended up deciding to do, we were talking about just questions she might ask a few colleagues to get some feedback, right? And I threw out some questions. And I threw out one question I thought she'll never go for this, okay? And the question was to ask her colleagues, if there's one thing about me that I might not see right now, but if mm. I could see it would help me to be a better colleague, what is that? And I thought, she's not going to pick that because that, that's a pretty tough question to ask. But guess what? That's the one she picked. She took that question and she asked a handful of colleagues and she got fantastic feedback. Yeah. yeah. And so it led to such a rich conversation between her and her peers and to a rich conversation with herself. And she really learned something from taking that Mm. courageous act. So I think it was a struggle and she moved through the struggle and there was something on the other side that was quite lovely. Yeah. Well, I love that example, you know, and I think it also brings, brings to Forbridge, you know, at times when we think of courage, we kind of think of the person running into the burning building and rescuing people inside. And that's courage when really it is the courage to have someone, Hey, I'm inviting you to really give me feedback on my blind spots. Yes. To really think of that as courage. And I love that. So, you know, as we talk now, connecting courage to leadership, and that's such a beautiful example you gave of what courage might look like in leadership. Any other things come to mind when we think about what courage might look like in leadership? Yes. And I think it begins with this. It begins with a willingness to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, (laughs) that any of the things we're talking about are going to produce discomfort in ourselves and potentially in other people. And we have to build that muscle for tolerating the discomfort Mm -hmm. that leadership brings for us and for others. And so, you know, what does that look like? Well, it might mean, for example, conflict, you know, really being willing in a meeting to hang in there and challenge ideas, even though it makes some people uncomfortable, to lean into that conflict and to have spirited discussion that for a few moments teeters on that edge where people are like, oh, I don't know if we should go there or not, right? So that's an example. I think being comfortable with the discomfort of holding ourselves and others accountable, Mm. that's a big one. It's like, I don't know how to have that conversation with somebody because it's going to be so uncomfortable. And I think what we're saying is, yeah, it is going to be uncomfortable. And that's the fear part of courage. But Mm -hmm. we can lean into that. We can grow our muscle for being uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? And then maybe the other thing that comes to mind for me is a willingness to take risks and lean into the fear of failure. Because as we've talked about in other episodes, leadership is a lot about leading people to new terrain. And there are always risks involved. There are no 
guarantees in life. And we may fail. Our business may fail. An initiative may stumble. And guess what? Sometimes we might falter and fail. But we cannot really spur innovation and growth without a willingness to take risks, which makes us vulnerable. Yeah. Makes us vulnerable to ridicule and failure. And I think that is a big part of the courage of, of leadership. Do you think so too, Irvin? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, I think especially when at times leaders feel responsible for the organization, the employees, and at times you can get into this kind of emotional feeling that I need to protect, protect, protect. Yeah. And I think at times we can therefore become averse to any form of risk. And in reality, not taking the risk will lead to a worse situation. But it takes courage to be able to kind of stand forth and say, you know what, this is a difficult decision, but we needed to make it. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So what else, Irvin? I mean, that's what came to my mind. But when you think about courage and leadership, I don't know, are there any other thoughts or insights you want to share? Yeah, let me give, there's, there's one, a couple of others that come to mind. One would be an ability to display moral courage or authenticity. You know, there are times where, and I think, you know, courage is speaking up when perhaps it's going to take a toll, when perhaps it will create discomfort. And, you know, especially in situations perhaps where there is an injustice, where perhaps someone's not being treated fairly. And the easiest thing to do is, and especially if you're not the leader, you know, especially if you're just part of the team, just to sit back and to say nothing mm. and to really then have the courage to, to insert your voice and say, you know what, I don't like the way that this is happening. And I remember I worked with a, a client a few years ago. They were on a team and they just were really having issues with the way that a person was being talked over and kind of shut down. And they just thought it had been unfair. And, and so at the meeting, you know, we talked about it and they said, well, what, what would courage look like? There? And they said, you know, I think I need to say something. And so she, at one of the meetings, she just said, you know, can I make an observation? Mm. And she just said, you know, I just got an observation. What I'm seeing is that I'm not sure the other person's name, but they come with such great ideas. And at times I feel that they don't have an opportunity to fully present their idea. And I, I would really appreciate them having the time to do that. Hmm, that's lovely. I said, how did you feel? And he said, oh, I was shaking a little bit. Yeah. I, was, I was relieved when I did that. So that kind of moral strength to be able to do that. And then just authenticity. Can I be myself? Can I really live up to the values? And this is another example I have of a coachee who was in an organization that really had insane hours. And there was this unrealistic expectations that they would work to a seven o'clock at night. And, and there was a feeling that they were missing out on some important things in their life. And particularly for this person, it was their son's soccer game. Mm. And so they just had the courage in spite of everyone else, you know, saying, you know, kind of looking at them, dagger eyes. I'm actually leaving today at five o'clock. Wow. I have to leave. This is important. And actually what happened after that was said, you know, you could, I really had to pull the knives out of my back when I got into the car, <laughs> but they said in the weeks that followed, people came up and thank you for your courage to say that because it's empowered me to do the same. Yeah. That's so neat. And it's amazing how, yeah. So that's that. And then the other courage is sometimes, you know, we, we think of courage as doing something, rushing in, but sometimes courage is just about standing firm and being resolved 
in a decision. And I, I'm bringing to mind an episode that we did just a few weeks ago when we talked about sabotage and we talked about people reacting against us, et cetera. And so often we can make stands which are the right decisions, sometimes change initiatives and people don't like change. And we can have people reacting against that, even trying to sabotage us. And at times it's easier to give in to say, oh yeah, I get you. And to appease rather than to stand firm in the decision and at the same time, remain connected to that person. And that mm-hmm. takes a lot of courage. So at times it is, you know, just the standing firm that really is the courageous act. Indeed. And, you know, some of our most courageous moments happen when no one's really looking, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when we decide to speak up, there's a lot of courage that is actually happening before the moment of speaking mm-hmm. up, right? We're working through those fears. And again, it goes back to this misnomer we have that courage comes in the form of superheroes running around and saving lives. But it's these small moments that -hmm. make such a difference. And not just for us, but then the courage spreads. It's contagious. Absolutely. Yes. So this is an interesting segue now. We've talked about, we mentioned at the beginning of this on-off button. Yeah. An activation of courage. So let's just turn out to think about what are some ways we can suggest that people might be able to activate courage when they have a decision or something that they have to do. Anything come to mind for you, Bridget? Well, one thing that comes to mind is, and it links back to the neuroscience of how our brains work, and that's to really challenge our negativity bias. So all human beings, all human brains have a negativity bias. It's a holdover from evolution. And what that just means is that from an attention point of view, the human brain tends to notice negative things more than positive things. It tends to remember negative events more than positive ones. And they stick. They have a a quality about them, negative things that are kind of sticky in the brain. And this can prevent us from acting bravely because the negativity bias kicks in and we think about all the worst case scenarios that could happen. Mm. And point of fact, we can challenge this bias. We can say, is that really so? Mm. And take another look at it, you know, because if we don't, I think the negativity bias wins out unless you do something to kind of challenge that you're not going to take these actions. So that's one thing that comes to mind. Another thing is just the daily practice or the weekly practice of getting out of your comfort zone. And mm-hmm. we all know that getting out of our comfort zone is where growth resides. Yeah. But we also don't really like it. We like being comfortable. We like Absolutely. staying in our nice little cocoon. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I think if we regularly notice when we have become too comfortable mm-hmm. in our lives, in our careers, in our relationships... And we resolve to practice baby steps of getting outside of our courage. I mean, outside of our comfort zone. Yeah. That practice builds the muscle, right? What else? Maybe managing and noticing the role the body plays in all this, because Mm. doesn't it take stamina to act courageously? And if we're sleep deprived, we're not getting exercise. We're not doing all these things that we know that help our bodies and our brains to operate at peak level, it's going to be so much harder. So perhaps starting even just with that of how well am I taking care of my body? If I'm facing a potential 
challenge that is going to require great courage. What do I need to do for my physical health in mm-hmm. order to do that? What do Love you think, that. Irvin? That, that's what came to my mind. What, what comes yeah, to your mind? Yeah, I think I just throw one in and it's our old friend, which we have mentioned many times before, and that is the power of breath. And I think it's important to mention here because of this relationship between fear and courage. And one of the things that happens when we are triggered for fear is that our whole body goes into an automatic reaction. And part of that, of course, is that our autonomic nervous system is activated. And so our blood pressure increases, our breathing rate, blood is drawn from our stomach, all of those things that we become familiar with, with the fear reaction. And one of the ways that we know in an increasing research on the power of breath Mm. to actually switch that nervous system back to a calm state, to bring down our breathing rate, to reduce the heart rate, et cetera. And of course, that's needed. You know, when we're very activated in fear, it's so much more difficult to show courage. When we're in that moment, if we can just switch that, we can begin to activate our prefrontal cortex and kind of think about what, what do I really need to do in this moment? Mm-hmm. What's really important with some of the research is that it's, it's, it's not breathing in and holding it. And then it's really the breathing out and that breathing out really helps activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which really helps to regulate Mm. the heartbeat, et cetera. So the breath and always Mm. remain attached to the breath. Such a powerful asset that we always have at hand and yet we underutilize it. Totally. Yeah. And you know, it's, we, we never think about it and yet it has uh, so much power and it's a wonderful gift. You know, when you think about it, you know, we, we have the fear and we have these emotions, but we also have the gift of breath, which so often can, can help us activate that other part and help us maybe switch on that courage button. So Bridget, we always try to end with a practice. Mm-hmm. What do you think we could do this week in this episode about courage? So I think we can maybe ask ourselves a different question than we normally do. When we are facing into a big challenge that is going to require bravery or courage from us, I think the natural question to ask is, what do I need to do? You know, Mm -hmm. how do I do it? And what what do I do? And what do I do first? A different question is, who do I need to be Mm -hmm. as I face into this moment? and. To answer that question, it can be helpful to think about colleagues or leaders or mentors that you've been around and who you admire because you watch them lean into a challenge with great courage. Yeah. And and to remember that and to think about, well, well, you know, what kind of a person were they? Who Mm. were they in that moment? And then as you face into your own moment, your own daunting challenge, bring that person to mind who you admire for their bravery. And remember the qualities that they demonstrated in that situation. You know, what, what body posture did Mm. they show? Mm -hmm. What conversations did they have? How would you describe their presence? Because that's Mm. a big piece of it, right? Yeah. And so who do we need to be as we face into these moments? I think is a great question and not one that we typically ask. No. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's such a 
a different way of looking at it. And and at times, you know, we we do, we have, you know, we, we talked about our superheroes and these are just like, sometimes we have our own heroes who are probably not known to other people, but have inspired us through their mentoring and through the way they have led and to tie into that spirit. Oh, that's, that's really powerful. You know, Irvin, I wanted to share something before we end. And that is, as I was sharing that practice, I was thinking of my own sort of personal hero in my midst right now, which I know I've shared this with you, but you know, I have a dear friend who's facing into her own big challenge. And what I am witnessing is incredible bravery, incredible courage, and I'm learning from it and I'm noticing it. And so much of it isn't just what is she doing, but it's the person she is being in the midst of it. And we can all be elevated by the personal heroes in our midst, right? Yeah, I love that. Well, well, what a powerful conversation and a powerful reminder of the importance of courage and some interesting research about this on-off button and to think about, you know, some of our greatest fears because it always works in tandem with courage. And then I'm really embodying what courage looks like to really think about how courage might show up in the workplace and maybe just encourage listeners today, you know, think about your past. Think about people who you would say showed acts of courage. What was happening? And then to remind it in this this last question is it's not just about what they did, but it's about who they were and the presence that they brought to a situation. Wonderful food for thought. Well, thank you, Bridget. Thank you, listeners. As always, feel free if you've enjoyed this or any other episode, feel free to spread the word and to send them a link to a certain episode, especially if someone's going through something and you think, God, I'd love to give them something. Maybe one of our episodes would fit the bill perfectly. If you have any ideas about future episodes or something we want to discuss, uh, always feel free to uh, email us at resilientleadershippodcast at gmail.com. Next week, we're going to continue the discussion a little bit about courage, and we're going to talk about One of the areas that I hear so much about is how do you have difficult or courageous conversations? So Bridget, thank you so much for your thoughts and uh, wonderful ideas in this episode. I've so enjoyed this conversation and everyone have a wonderful, wonderful week ahead. Bye everyone. Thank you, Irvin. Take care, folks.